to us. If I could make one moment last forever, this is the one I would choose. I'm glad you did. It was a good life. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through the Comedy Central reboot of one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about the final episode of Futurama. Season 7, episode 26. Meanwhile. We do want to point out that it is the penultimate episode of the podcast, but the final episode of Futurama. I do love the word penultimate. It's a good word. It's one of my favorite words. And as somebody that just went to the Illusionist podcast last night, the you're a word fan. I am a big word fan. Words are great. Words are great. How do you feel about words? You know, uh, sometimes I bad words, I uh-huh. word and I word bad. Uh huh. Um, but mostly word good. Okay. Because otherwise, without word. No, no talk, no podcast. Okay, so I have no idea what opening bit you had planned. I kind of didn't have one. I was like, oh no, because I can't just ask how you feel about the last episode of Futurama because we're going to talk about that literally next week. But I have a story. Let's do it. So this reminds me of a dream I had one time. Okay, so you dreamed a dream. Uh-huh, we're back to this. Um. Again, the inside <laughs> joke to somebody that won't listen to this podcast until I die. So... um. I had a dream once where uh, I stumbled upon in some uh, ancient, dusty castle library somewhere. Okay. I found a book that contained the English language. Now, this was not... Wait, like like a dictionary? This was not a dictionary. Oh. A those, those are a dime a dozen. Or, you know, like probably five bucks on Amazon. Who knows? So, I found a book that contained the metaphysical properties of the English language. And so... What? uh, So basically, imagine, if you will... Paint me wordscape. Imagine, if you will, that the English language was a physical thing that could be uh, bought and sold or destroyed or or put on a wall somewhere. Sure. uh, On some bookshelf somewhere. It was the physical manifestation of the english language okay and then somebody who was there along with me burnt the english oh, no. language so i watched the mel- the pages did they, did they of the yell- english language melt out oh, no. from the side it turned like a green goop that's wild the english language melted and then that meant that the the entirety of the english language had absolutely no meaning whatsoever so everyone forgot the english language written english no longer had any meaning it was just forgotten symbols that meant nothing what about spoken english uh nobody knew how to speak it whoa if you listened back to like a recording of it like it was just Mm-hmm. Um, or basically whatever our listeners hear when they listen so to the basically podcast. if you knew a foreign language you could still communicate with other people who knew that foreign language if you only knew english you did not you were ba- you basically you, you didn't be- have language anymore you basically became illiterate and 
you know, grunting. Yeah, you you just you just over a you could not communicate beyond like basic body language. I, I have one question for yes. y- your dream. I yes. mean, I have a lot hit of me, questions. Hit me up with this. I'm here a, for answers. I have a lot of questions about this dream, but this is the first one. When the person next to you started to burn the English language, did they yell, YOLO? Uh, this predated YOLO. Predated YOLO? It was, it was a while ago. You know, that is a while ago. And also, the fact that it predated YOLO means that YOLO, it would now be, if you had the dream again, YOLO would now be in the tome of the English language. Uh, yes, I suppose it would. Just like yeet. Just, yes, I suppose it would. Two words I never thought were going to be spoken on Back to the Futurama, but here we are. Here we are. Um, also, what... <laughs> it was... Why was it in... Th- why is there only one copy of this? In one dusty ca- why castle. Is, why is there only one copy of you? Oh, uh, you know, good point. It was. It was just a. There, there might be many representations of you. Photographs. This very recording we're recording. Oh right my now. goodness! I'm being. Rep- I'm being recorded. But there's only one you. So if it's I burned true. you and you melted into green goo, there would just no longer be you. I feel like I probably then wouldn't also turn imagine, into green goo. But then also imagine that every recording of you turned to gibberish, turned to more gibberish than you already uh, yeah, are. Yeah, I, yeah I, I do that good <laughs> myself. Then imagine that every photograph of you disappeared like you're Michael J. Fox in Back oh, to the no. Future. <laughs> without okay. your mom falling in love with you or any of that jazz. Okay, sure, yeah. Um. So it was it was like the actual English language. It was not like a copy of I it. See. It you, was like and it was something you could not copy. You couldn't copy it. Hmm. Then why is it like available to go look at and burn? Why wouldn't there be people that, that are like, "Hey, stop that. Don't burn the thing that we speak, you dumb butt." That is a question for whoever wrote the dream. Um, probably M. Night Shyamalan. You didn't focus on the credits, I see. I did not. Well, I I saw the credits. I just couldn't read them. I didn't understand. (laughs) I can't. It's, you know, (laughs) it's that kind of commitment to the bit in Uh like uh, movies when it's like, I'm going to show you the credits in, you know, whatever made up alien language. And then, oh, they're going to change it into English. That is the commitment to the bit I prefer. Anyways, that's my story about watching the english language melt uh should we talk about futurama i'm also now trying to figure out where that connects to the episode of futurama because we were talking about words and how great words are and you didn't have an opening bit so i told a very personal (laughs) dream about the english language melting into a green goo so let's melt the english language into a green goo by talking about futurama season 7 episode 26 meanwhile uh, this this opening uh, has a bloody writing of the words Avenge Us. Would you say, Mike, that by doing this podcast, we have succeeded in avenging the 1999 hit uh, TV show mark. Futurama? <laughs> I uh, I think we've we've certainly done our best to avenge it. Um, whether we have done so or not, it's it's up to um. I guess the writers to figure that one out. But you know what? I'm just happy we haven't gotten sued. So say we all. So say we all. (laughs) So we start this episode in space. Uh, They are going to the moon. They're going to the moon again. They're going to Luna Park. 
for yet another delivery to Luna Park. Uh, Bender's just supremely excited to be back at Luna Park, and so is Fry, because it's the fr- the place where Fry and Leela came on their very first delivery. Uh, Leela throws the package towards the delivery slot and says, we sure used to try harder back then. I mean, I feel like very early Futurama, they were like, okay, cool, we're a delivery crew, let's go deliver things. All of the plots tended to focus on deliveries to Luna Park or deliveries to a robot planet. Or Trisol. Or Trisol. And now they're just like... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Whatever. It doesn't matter. I kind of feel like it's the same thing that happened with like the office where it's like we got to sell papers we have to go out and do this i thought you were gonna say it's the same thing that happened with us but okay yeah go ahead i mean i don't want to compare everything to you and me ben um but no in the office it was like we're gonna do office stuff we're gonna like sell paper we're gonna go out in meetings and then dwight is gonna do something funny and then michael is going to do something cringy and then at the end they're just like no we're gonna just go follow dwight at a beet farm for 30 Uh minutes Hey, this whole episode is just them going to Pam's wedding. That has everything to do with selling papers. Exactly. It's like, focus on the bit. We want more office shenanigans. I tuned in for that stapler in Jell-O. Not romance between the paper salesman and the the receptionist. How dare you give me this romance in my office hijinks show. I don't care how many times Jim looks at the camera with a slight smirk on his face. I'm here for the paper sales. If you're going to make him do look at the camera, make him look at the camera while selling paper. That's his job. Yeah, pretty much. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that is very true because we get every character coming back. Yep. I I feel like We even get Luna Park as a character coming back. Well, we get we get the mascot, the the mm-hmm. crater face. We get him back and I feel like they went to Luna Park specifically to be like, we're getting everyone back in. How the hell are we going to get this mascot from the <laughs> second episode? We really like this gag. So we're going back to Luna Park. Anyways, Crater Face makes a Leela-shaped balloon for Leela. It's actually surprisingly it's good. very good. Uh, it does not stop Crater Face from getting yet another beer bottle right in the eye, just like before. Uh, the mascot does say, I went to five years of art school and then starts sobbing. I went to five years of art school and I did. I do <laughs> not have the ability to make such great balloons. I can only make this podcast. <laughs> did you did you feel like a, just a twinge of being seen when when the mascot said that? I mean, I just I'm not asking to be mean, but like, I want to know. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> because. You know, you spend five years in art school. Sure. You get out and you're just like, cool, what am I going to do? My first job out of college was selling TiVos over the phone. And you kept looking at the camera with a weird smirk. And I kept looking at the, and I got the biggest crush on the receptionist, the cute redhead receptionist. Exactly. Who was already engaged. And then I broke up their wedding. Sure. And then everything got really bad. And then I fell in love with Rashida Jones for a while. It and was then a I weird eventually time for you. married the redhead receptionist. Exactly. Everything went great. And I put staplers in jello. I learned it from watching you, okay? The <laughs> office. <laughs> This has become The Office, the show, um, the podcast. Anyways, uh, yes, Crater Face makes a balloon that's shaped <laughs> like Leela that's where we went. because 
he had five years of art school. He chose he chose balloonery instead of making a podcast about the office like I we mean, did. I mean, we all have to find our own ways. Uh, you know, we found we 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 started a podcast and you know, we you know, we thought we were gonna start talking about sandwiches and then we did Futurama instead. And now but, it's the office. But <laughs> sudden switch, we're now, talking about the office. You know, it's it, there's some foreshadowing through the the uh, whole podcast. You just have to listen back to them and uh catch catch the jokes. They go on a ride called the Mechadeca Hexapus. Yes. Which I'm, is... You know what? I'm not going to try it. <laughs> which is pretty phenomenal. It's very um, good. Uh, Bender gets into a cart with Albert, known orphan. <laughs> known orphan Albert. And says, hey, do you want a corn dog? Well, your mom should have gotten you one and then eats two of them in front of him. It's... I mean, also, you've adopted him out in the past bender you know it's albert it's albert here's my question to you when you see a corn dog do you immediately want a corn dog because i do absolutely i do i don't like corn dogs i do like corn dogs but i see a corn dog and i'm like yo hit me up with one of those i will give you some of my precious currency for that precious corn dog they go for a dog of corn they go for a ride on the mecha deca hexta they go for a ride it's such a hard thing to say they go for a ride on the Mechadeca Hexapus, and Bender, of all people, starts getting real queasy on this ride. I mean, he did just eat two corn dogs in literally less than a second. You don't it even know sense. if it was the ride. It's amusement park corn dogs. Exactly. You know, you, it's one of those things that you're like, I'm going to pay money for this, and I'm going to pay in other ways later, but I'm okay with it. Spin that wheel of how am I going to pay for these corn dogs later? And Bender landed on puke. So he pukes up an awful lot of metallic bits. Like, yeah, I have it as metal shrapnel. Yeah, it's like it's nuts like, and bolts and, and yeah, it's like all sorts of stuff. All sorts of mechanical parts. And it gets lodged in the gears of the Mecha Deca Hexapus. Mm-hmm. And it causes all of the, the arms on the ride to stop suddenly. And Leela gets thrown out mm-hmm. along <laughs> with this giant uh stuffed animal that she's been carrying yeah it's a stuffed bugalo and which you gotta get the bugalo back in there you gotta get the bugalo back in there she goes flying and crashes through the glass of luna park which has a little bit of uh it starts it starts sucking all the air out but then crater face blocks it and then gets another beer bottle in the (laughs) eye both eyes now have beer bottles just when you think they're like all right they've done it twice they can't do it a third time they did it a third time you see you gotta do it the third time that's what comedy's about one time how weird second time kind of funny third time nailed it i do like how easy the dome can be punctured i don't like that because no that's fair (laughs) As as a person watching an episode of comedic television, it seems that should be a much heavy-duty dome around something on the moon. Yes, I will agree with that. Um, you have to imagine that at some point, some punk kid was like... Like, you remember that scene in Hook, where they're flying sure. over the ocean, and he's afraid of heights... And so his son is like, no, you can't break these. And he's throwing the freaking baseball against the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, it freaks uh, Peter Panning like super out because he's like going to get sucked out of the... Like, you know, some punk kid is like, no, yeah, absolutely. See, you can you can totally throw a baseball again. 
Yeah, exactly. Everything kid gets sucked out. You've got a a lawsuit on your hands. At least a lawsuit. It could be multiple. Well, it's a good thing Luna Park is a very limited liability company. (laughs) And it feels it feels very correct because you 100 percent know they cut corners on this dome. They are in an office somewhere in the park. No cute redheaded receptionists to fall in love with here unfortunately just um, fry and bender being well fry being sad and bender telling him to you know you know, you just gotta live in the moment so the luna park uh guards i guess security the, that's it, the word i'm looking the, for the shirts say moon patrol i like it i love it so i want some more of it the moon patrol comes in and says we've got some good news and we've got some bad news the good news is we found your stuffed bugalo. The bad news is your wife is dead. She's not my wife. Oh, well, then we don't have any bad news. <laughs> Which is such a wild, just horrible thing to say. They're the moon patrol. They're not the feelings well, patrol. I feel like even if I knew, if I was in an office hoping to like, okay, let's say for whatever reason you got sucked out of there and they're like, you know, for whatever reason, they assume we're together because, of course, um, you do a podcast together. You must be husband. Exactly. And and then I'm like, he's not my husband. And it's like, well, clearly there's no bad news to have here. It's like, no, I still care about my friend and podcast co-host. Let me have these feelings and don't tell me there's not bad news because things are bad. My co-host got sucked out of an air thing on the moon and is now dead. But I, at I least have so many emotions about this. Corollary. If I have to die, being sucked out of a, a moon base, pretty awesome because I was on the freaking moon, baby. That's, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to allow this. So they walk off because there's no bad news now, and they're just like, Yeah, cool, all right, see ya. And they just leave the scene immediately. Yeah, because there's no bad they don't have to have feelings. There's no bad news here. They've I mean, done their job. They returned the stuffed bugalo. Yeah, I even if they had feelings, it would be a facsimile of like pat your back as you cry and then walk away. So the, they didn't even do that. So Fry starts crying, uh, understandably. Yeah, and <laughs> I know I just said it, and like Fry starts crying. <laughs> Obviously, no, it makes sense. He starts crying uh, because you know the love of his life has just been killed on the moon. Yes. Um, I think I would probably do the same thing. And at that point, a knife comes out of the stuffed bugalo and Leela cuts her way out. She has survived by sucking the air out of the Leela shaped balloon, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure is mostly carbon dioxide. But maybe I'm sure it worked fine. Crater face exhales oxygen. We don't know how this works. Maybe that's something moon. he learned in art school. You know, the famous things you learn in art school. I did not take exhaling oxygen 302. Um, It seems like you had to have a a lot of prerequisites to get into a 300 level breathing oxygen class. uh, It was not my concentration. Exactly. You'd have to spend at least two more years at art school for that. So she cuts her way out. She has survived by sucking the air out of the balloon uh, somehow, whether it was oxygen or not. And... Uh, Fry's very happy because it turns out Leela's mm-hmm. not dead. Uh, they hug and the balloon Leela flies around the room a little bit and Leela says, she gave her life to save mine. A very touching moment. It's a very poetic moment about a balloon. Back at the Robot Arms apartments, Bender is asleep and Fry comes in and he's just like, hey, 
Bender, I, I, can we talk? I'm busy. And he, Fry just invites himself in. He just starts talking. He's going for it. He says, what I realized is that I can't spend my life without Leela. He's going to ask her to marry him. And Bender's like, oh, geez, knock next time, get out. And then as soon as Fry's out of the room, he starts crying. And he's like, my little meat bag's growing up. Yeah. I think my, my autocorrect uh, corrected that to meatball, which I, I kind of like. My meatballs never grow up because I eat them. Well, sure. How, what about your meat bags? Uh, I currently have no meat bags. Okay. If you would like to apply to be a meat bag for me. So you don't just have a bag of loose meat. I do not have a bag of loose meat. Okay, so we are different people. Because I, I love my, my little meat bags. They're great. It's great to store meat in bags. I don't have a follow-up. I'm just going to keep staring at you because I don't really have a follow-up either. This is excellent podcasting. The remainder of this episode will be us staring at each other in silence. Non-romantically, because we're not married, this is very much me judging him for having bags of meat. The, The concept of bags of meat that I have possibly and canonically i'm married to the redheaded receptionist exactly. at my office it's the canon and the, who i am married to a woman that won't listen to my podcast until i'm dead that's not a joke <laughs> one of the things we said was a joke figure out which one <laughs> if you think the joke was that i'm married to a redheaded receptionist go to minute 37 so the next day at planet express Hermes is having the computer make him some Jamaican joy juice. Hot. I think that's a pretty good choice. And he gets a a, a, a cup of Jamaican joy juice kind of materializes under this big like glass bell. And then he smashes the glass bell and drinks the joy juice. The professor comes in and in a true show of laziness, he just says, G-N-E... I love that drop so much. (laughs) Like, okay, we've done this 140 times. You know exactly where we're going with this. So, you know when I give these initials, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm the professor. Don't mess with me. That's what he's saying. That's a real power move. Yeah, it's a power move. He walks in, says G-N-E, and then you're like, well, I can't even attack this for this anything. The professor has created a device that sends the entire universe 10 seconds into the past. And he demonstrates it by hitting the button. And then he uh, it, it cuts back to Hermes getting his Jamaican joy juice. Mm-hmm. Hot. Hot. Breaks the glass bell again. The professor comes in and is like, see? And they're like, uh, I'm, uh, something sounds cool. But I don't know what you're talking about. And then he realizes everyone else was outside the time ball. So he gets everybody uh, inside the time shelter, which is in- coated in anti-chroniton resistant grout. Yeah, I literally wrote that uh, the time shelter protects everyone from time travel because science, because I wasn't going to rewind it <laughs> to get what he actually said. This is the back to the future. I'm a promise. We will not rewind it to catch what he said. I rewind plenty. I'm just like, no, I'm I not, I don't no. care. It's science. This is science. A wizard, a science is, wizard did this it. This is timey-wibby, wibbly-wobbly, hand-wavy nonsense. Let's just go. 
So everybody gets into the time shelter, and at that point, Zoidberg comes in, and he's like, check it out. I found $10. I really like the way he says it, because he's like, I found a $10. A guy got into a cab, and the $10 did not. Now it's mine. Uh, As you can tell, Zoidberg's very happy about it. So the professor's like, hey, can I see the $10? And he gets the $10 and then hits the time button. So he has the $10 and Zoidberg comes in just as before. And it's like, okay, Zoidberg, show me the money. And then Zoidberg can't find it in his pocket and he's all sad. I mean, of course, Zoidberg is happy because after finding $10, he canonically has $13. It's true. In the last two, <laughs> in last episode, we know he has three dollars in moldy, moldy pennies. And now he's a fresh, a ten dollar bill. So it's demonstrated that uh, resetting the time for those ten seconds reset Zoidberg, but the ten dollar bill was still taken by the professor. Right. So you can affect things, but everyone else gets reset somehow. Yes. Leela's like, can we go as far back in time as we want by just pressing the button over and over again? No. It turns out that after you hit the button and go back 10 seconds, the device takes 10 seconds to recharge. That seems kind of uh, the same amount of time. Hmm. It seems also mostly pointless, unless you want to rob Zoidberg of $10. Which the professor does. Uh, Fry, Fry asks, if there was a moment you wanted to make last forever, could you? And the professor is like, it's only for scientific use. Oh, or apparently stealing for Zoidberg and enjoying his sadness. That's scientific. Go Somehow. On. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I am going to need an expl- explanation. Okay. What is science, the hypothesis here? Science, scientific theory, okay. hypothesis. I can take $10 from Zoidberg with time travel. Okay. Uh, what's the next step? Experiment. Experiment. I'm pretty sure. I. It's been a while since I've done this. I'm going to use time travel to steal $10 <laughs> from Zoidberg. Uh, conclusion. I stole $10 from Zoidberg with time travel. You know what? Fair enough. There is science there. Um, <laughs> don't quote me on my scientific method. Don't, don't quote me on remembering the parts of it. I think I missed one of like collect results before the conclusion, but... I do want to point out that my notes just says Fry has eyes for the time button. Yeah, he he looks real devious about it. Um, we cut to Ultra Guy's custom diamond. Is this a new character? It is a new character. <laughs> I love the fact that we get a new character in the last episode. I'm I'm ninety five percent sure it's a new character. I am going to double check that. Uh, with the Infosphere website, which I did not bookmark. <laughs> hey, at this point, it's about consistency. Uh-huh. Um, the Infosphere is just a Google away. Yeah, debut Ultra Guy. <laughs> it's such a wild thing to... Like, I get the joke, and it's just... But it feels so wild to be like... And there's another new character in Janos. Yes. Why? We're, we're not only... We've used up all the other old characters. We, we, we've we run dry, so we're going to create a few new ones just to, just to do these two things. Uh, so, yes. Ultra Guy. First of all, I love Ultra Guy. He's great. Because I... He des- seems kind of burnt out for what seems to be a superhero. I described him as Ultra Guy kicks ass, but also not. He's like if Duke Nukem was a superhero who sold diamonds. 
That's that is one hell of a description. What can I say? I was inspired I can t- by Ultra hey, Guy. When you see Ultra Guy, you just gotta go for it. Uh so But yeah, Ultra Guy can create these diamonds with his like superhuman grip strength and just squash it into in from a piece of coal into a diamond. Yeah, it's pretty neat to see. Um so Fry requests that he crush a diamond. Um he does, and then they uh Fry picks it up, tosses it in, into Bender's compartment. Which hits, has just so many diamonds. So many already. diamonds. Hits the button and then comes back in and says, I'm coming here for the first time. One diamond, please. Yeah, Ultra Guy is not uh is pretty pissed before Fry hits the button, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so he's got he's got a bunch of diamonds. A whole lot of diamonds. And then we go to Elzar's where the brunch special is filet of skeleton. Fantastic. So <laughs> Fry and Leela are enjoying a meal and Fry says, the next time you almost die, I want it to be as my wife. You know, I you, there's I, I don't have a joke for that. It just is kind of sweet. There are worse ways to propose question mark well i mean i i definitely so i don't know if i've told my proposal story on the podcast all right it's not bad it's just a whole lot of weird little weird things so i had um it was on my birthday before uh my wife was studying abroad okay in australia because i and i'm like oh crap there's so many hot surfers there oh my god i got no i'm not a hot surfer at all I have to, I have to, gotta, you know, gotta lock that down from the hot gotta, surfers. Gotta put uh-huh. a ring on it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Cause you liked it. You put a ring exactly. on it. Exactly. Uh-huh. There were just so many hot surfers. I was like, no way. Um, uh, so I, it was my birthday and I was like, she's about to leave. So I'm like, right, let's do this. So I had everybody in the area, including my family members come to this. And that was the first thing that Stacy, Stacy was like, Wait a minute. This is not an important birthday. This seems definitely legitimate. Uh-huh. And uh, so then we get to the place that we're doing, which is a friend's house. And we're having a cookout because it's, you know, m- m- it, late May uh, and nice and, co- you know, comfortable outside and you know, shorts and what have you. And then everybody's like, okay, go up there and ha- give a speech. And I'm like, okay, I'll give a speech. And I was like, I want to give a pr- on my birthday. I want to give a present to somebody else. And then I'm like, okay, Stacey, could you come up here? And she's like, no, I'm eating corn. <laughs> I'm eating corn. It's good corn, which is, which in her defense, very good corn. Also, I, I know your wife, and that is totally a Stacey yeah. Power move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's true. But my friend uh, that was making the corn makes very good corn. And I'm like, uh, no, st- please. St- please. <laughs> she's like, fine, fine, fine. I've got, I've got, and at this point, she knows what's about to happen because. C- come on. Because you're great at keeping secrets. Oh, I'm so good at secrets. I'm so good at bluffing. You can't tell what I'm thinking ever. Um, So she's like, okay, crap. It's going to happen with corn in my teeth and th- blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And then, face full of corn. Face full of corn. <laughs> like some sort of hyper corn, chicken. Some kind of corn face. <laughs> <laughs> Facecorn.com. Um, <laughs> Hold on. I want to Google that. <laughs> Facecorn.com. It's either going to be not registered or going to be the server wildest not, thing. Server not found. Let's see if I can. Let's see if I can reserve Facecorn.com. 
and have it um, uh, re- redirect to ne- face facecorn.com is available $12.99. Look at the value. I'd be a fool not to buy facecorn.com. <laughs> Anyways, at, at so, that price. so you have now convinced your uh, then girlfriend, soon to be fiance, to don't spoil it. <laughs> I'm talking about my proposal store. That's fair. No, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully soon to be fiance um, to come up there. So I, I start giving a little bit of a speech and then I, you know, do the normal, like get on the, the knee thing. And she says yes. And we everybody's like, yay. So we start hugging and, you know, kissing and, you know, how you do as a newly engaged couple. And then my friend's dog uh, is like, oh, cool. Huh. You know, I'm, I'm feeling this moment. And then walks because I'm in a like little grassy yard field. Mm-hmm. Just walks right next to me, you know, f- you know, f- uh, a few feet away, and is just like, yeah, this is the time I'm gonna poop. So there are pictures of me and and my <laughs> wife hugging about getting engaged while a dog is defecating just feet away. Fantastic. So that was the story. Uh. And we and we've been happily married since we got married in a couple years after that. So yes, so Fry says the next time you almost die, I want it to be as my wife. No corn was involved. No face corn. Uh, dot com. Fry does propose with a ring with a diamond made out of smaller diamonds. I think that's just sound. And it is delivered in this big clam. Um, and so as she goes to grab this giant ring, the clam snaps shut Mm -hmm. and just takes her wrist off. Severs it, just all of it. You can see bone, you can see viscera. No blood. No, surprisingly no blood. We'll come back to that one. Oh God. Okay. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, it's, there's some, there's some... We'll, we'll just keep going. Fry is sad that he blew his one chance because the clam has taken off her hand. Um, but there's like, oh, I have the time button and hits it. And this time Fry uh, attempts to kill the clam a little bit by stabbing it with a fork a couple times. I was about to say, if you had a time button, you could stop the dog from pooping. To be fair, no one got hurt. And the dog is probably much happier that he that he pooped. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm fine with the story. Okay. It didn't involve any bodily injury. So and also it involved face corn. Also, you know com. you know me, and I can Photoshop dogs out of pictures if it really comes down to that. So no, I'm I'm, I'm f- like a I'm like a walking ten second redo button with photography. With photography only. That's that's what I spent my five <laughs> years in art school doing. Yes, he hits the button. He goes back in time, stabs the clam, um, and then. She accepts, even though she does claim this feels so sudden after 13 years. Well, it's it's left a little vague if she uh, accepts or not, because Fry's like, don't don't tell me now. Just I, I've rented the roof garden on top of the tallest building in New York. The, the Vam- Vampire State Building. Yes, of course. Um, and <laughs> Which I love. It's so, so much. Good. And then Fry tells Leela to be there tonight at 630 if your answer is yes. It's 30 minutes before sunset. Um and it'll be it'll be great. But if her answer is no, then don't sh- don't show up. He'll get the message. So at the Vampire State Building, a really cool, really tall tower that Super looks tall. like an awesome vampire gothic castle, and I love it. I want 
to go to the Vampire State Building. I would agree. It looks awesome. He is up on a rooftop garden with a table with a vampire who is setting the table, despite the fact the sun is up, but whatever, I'm not going to judge. Who knows what vampires do in the future? They own banks. Yeah, they they have enough money to have figured that out. Yeah, it's fine. So Go away, plot hole. Janos, the vampire. New character. New character is setting up this table. He's pour he pours a couple of glasses of champagne. And he's also like, hey, what's that? Some kind of time button? Exactly. I love how Yenos is like, <laughs> well, clearly that has to be a time button. Nailed it. It's a time button. Uh Fry says that if she says yes, he'll use it to make the sunset as long as they want. So Fry looks at his watch and he's like, six o'clock. She'll be here in half an hour. I, I do like that Yenos uh, says strange things happen when the shadows lengthen. And then uh, a PA uh, announcement comes over and says, uh, the, we need a janitor in the men's bathroom on the 237th floor. And then he's like, away. It's very good. You're wrong. I do. I I just love the the entire mythos of the Vampire State Building. Yeah, it's everything the, about it. The whole ambiance. I'm in. It is six o'clock, and mm-hmm. he's like, it's just going to be half an hour, and then it sort of fades into right around six thirty, mm-hmm. and she's still not there yet. And he could is, be slow traffic. Yeah, it could be could be slow traffic. You know, there could be something keeping her seven. Like what, 713, 702. 702. He is, this is, it's over. It's over. She is now over a half hour late. Mm. Obviously, the answer is no. Yeah, Fry is sad because, and is crying because, you know, he really thought she'd come. How can you be sad on the Vampire State Building? When you're wanting to propose to a woman and they say, they say no via absence. But you're on the, be sad when you get down to the bottom of the Vampire State Building. Speaking of getting to the bottom of the Vampire State Building. Fry says that, uh, I traveled 1000 years forward in time, but without Leela, I have no future. And so he climbs over the, the fence on the really awesome and really cool Vampire State Building where no one can possibly be sad. Um... And he jumps off the Vampire State Building. And as he's falling, he falls right by a big digital clock on the side of the uh, Vampire State Building, which says it's actually 628. Exactly. I do like the fact that he throws himself off this balcony and immediately hits the only gargoyle on the building. Like, I'm sure there's got to be there's got to be more gargoyles th- on that building, my th- dude. That's fair, but certainly the the one right under <laughs> under the the awning, which is just it's like ah poof. So it's very good. Yes, he hits the the gargoyle. He sees the time. He looks down and he realizes Leela is mm. showing up. She yeah. is down at the bottom of the really awesome and cool Vampire State building. He's he's actually very deductive here because he's like, oh, my watch says it's 7.03 because my watch kept running when he hit the button. It's like, you're falling to your death. How did you figure, how did you math that one? You, you know what? When you're, when you're falling to your doom, suddenly, everything, everything is clear. Everything is clear. Um, so there was a part of me that was like, well, see, I have a smartwatch which syncs to my phone, and so I wouldn't have this problem. However, however, one time, a previous phone ago, for oh, whatever reason, <laughs> my phone, despite the fact that I was in Portland, Oregon, 
my phone decided, hey, you know what? You're in Washington, D.C. <laughs> let's just let's just set the time yeah. to Eastern Standard Time. Where you are currently now. And so I'd look and I'd be like, what the hell? How is it? How is it? 1.30, I missed lunch? What? And then I'd look at the time on my my work clock and I, on the, the computer there, and I'd be like, wait, no, it's not even time for lunch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what the? I am stranded in time without lunch. What the hell? And then I'd looked at the, the weather app, and it was like, here's the current temperature in Washington, D.C. I'm like, why do I need to know? So I had to tell my uh, my phone to base the time solely on Portland time sure. because otherwise in the middle of the night it could decide you're in Washington DC your alarm that was 20 <laughs> minutes ago I don't need to go off till tomorrow <laughs> sorry sorry but dude you are not getting that alarm today so that was super great yeah so <laughs> isn't modern technology wonderful until it thinks you're in Washington DC <laughs> a place you've never been to <laughs> Um, I've been, it's not bad. So uh, anyways, he sees Leela. He realizes what happened, why his watch is off. He realizes she has shown up. So everything is actually worth living for because Leela's there. Uh, one problem. He is currently falling to his death. Yes. One, one small uh tiny problem. He remembers he has the time button and hits it. But he's been falling for more than 10 seconds, and he reemerges basically right in front of the gargoyle he smashed into. And so he just falls and waits for the little green light on the button to come back, and then mashes that as soon as it's there. And so he just gets in this time loop where he is just Mm -hmm. falling forever. Uh, Fry realizes there's no way out of this situation, and this isn't the situation he wanted to last forever, and continues to loop. Back at Planet Express, they are moving their most uh, expensive, priceless item they've ever had to deliver. It is Munks the Scream. Okay, great, because I I wrote down who made it, and that was not how I was going to say their last name. Yeah, that's what art school will do for you, my dude. this, This was me actively walking into a hornet's nest and you saying, no, friend, no, I will. I know this. Uh, and they trip, and Zoidberg goes face first through where the head is, and he screams, which is a fun little gag, I guess. Mm-hmm. It would have been less fun if they did it twice, but more fun if they did it three times. It comes back around. Exactly. Um, but at that point, time skips backward 10 seconds, and they're moving it back in. The professor is still in his time shelter, mm-hmm. and he says, quick, get in. Somebody keeps resetting time. Uh, Somebody stole its time button and is pressing it every 10 seconds, keeping the universe in a time loop. And so they all get in. And now they can't leave the time shelter because as soon as they left, they die horribly because the anti-chronotons wouldn't know where to send them and they'd be shredded uh, across the the time-space continuum. Oh, this is where I typed because science. Because science? Question. I mean, yeah, there's a... It's it's writing a lot of checks here. I've got to be honest. He does demonstrate by taking that precious $10 bill that Zoidberg had, and he tosses it out of the window of the time shelter, and it just gets shredded into the space-time continuum. And Zoidberg is sad yet again. 
he has lost that ten dollar bill twice today. <laughs> it's and and it would the only thing sadder would be if he lost it yet again. One step forward, two steps back. I don't know the 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 middle line, but opposites attract. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to remember the one with the Paul Abdul and the DJ Scat Cat. Ah, uh, there it is. Sarah shouted from the other room. We come together. Th- thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Cursed to listen to us till the end of time <laughs> due to opening that Egyptian tomb. The silent third host always correcting us when we need it most. Bender rats out Fry. He's like, I know who took it. Usually, uh, I'm not going to confess to that kind of thing, but I also just like ratting people out. It was Fry. Uh, yeah, and he took it to the Vampire State Building, as we know, uh, because he's we know as the audience that he's falling to his death over and over again. So they need to get there, but they're trapped in the time shelter. This is when Zoidberg says, yeah, I'm happy. I'm trapped in a tiny fun room with friends. It's like, okay, that's a very tiny room to be trapped with Zoidberg. Very tiny. Canonically, very smell bad. Canonically, very smell bad. I think the English language is melting over there. my dear. Oh no. <laughs> hey, at least I waited until the, Penultimate episode of Back to the Futurama. Um, do you speak any foreign languages? No, which is also Spanish for no. Hola, bienvenidos. Uh, <laughs> back to the Futurama. Su viaje de podcast. Oh, man. Uh, something, something. My Spanish is very rusty. Me amo Mike. Hoy hablamos de... Uh, You've got way more than me, man. <laughs> I'm just going to say that now. I didn't realize I was I was signing up to do a podcast and with a genius. Uh, okay, I took like five years of Spanish, so... I know, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't like, think that makes me a genius. I took three and I've got barely any. So... Uh, we go back to the Vampire State Building, mm-hmm. a really and cool, awesome place where no one can ever be sad. True. Uh, Fry is still looping and is kind of getting sleepy, uh, falling asleep on one loop, being awakened by Leela's scream and scrambling to hit the button. This goes on for a little bit. We also see that the Planet Express crew is sort of walking along down the street with this time shelter. They pick it up and walk for 10 seconds and then drop it. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh- Pick it up, walk for 10 seconds, and then drop it. I called it Flintstoning it. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's a good... Yeah. Because, you know, you, you get the legs, and then they're going, and then you stop. Mm-hmm. And then you get the legs, and then you stop. And then you get some giant ribs, and the whole thing falls over, and you get shredded into the space-time continuum. You know what? Worth it for those giant ribs. Worth it for those ribs. I always really wanted to try those giant ribs. I bet they'd be super tasty. <laughs> I bet they'd be I bet super you could, tasty. I bet you could probably get them at some theme park somewhere that still has Flintstone stuff. Does anything park Studios? anywhere have Flintstones anything? I Is that like, a thing? I think so. I think they're super popular still. That blows my mind. And also, they're probably a cheap property to have now. They, That's the, right. We own Hanna-Barbera now. Back to the Futurama does. Cool. <laughs> so all your Flintstones favorites are going to join Ben and Mike on next week's podcast. Yabba-dabba-doo. <laughs> does Barney have a catchphrase? Uh, he says like, hey, Fred, like an awful lot. But I don't think that's really a catchphrase. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he does. I think he's more famous for being on the, the Chocolatey Pebbles cereal because i think he's got the brown shirt 
Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I, it, it, it's a long shirt. So, shall we talk more about the fashions of the Flintstones on this Futurama podcast? Let's not, because <laughs> I don't know that there's much to talk about. The Planet Express crew gets to the Vampire State Building. A cool sentence I just said. <laughs> they get there and see Fry looping and looping. And then Fry gets a little bit distracted. Mm-hmm. He drops the button. Which flies up above him as he falls faster. And then he splats rather horrifically yeah, on the sidewalk. It's a, just a huge, giant, wild, bloody splash, and then he's just a pile of pink goo. It is a little bit much. It is a lot bit much, and I and I, I so I came in a few minutes before this happened on on your watch of the episode, and then I watched you watch that, and that was more uh more uh entertaining than just I, watching it myself. I was like, I was literally just like, oh my god! Yeah, you did. Like, it was great. It was because especially, wild. especially because I watched it last night. I'm like, oh, here's, oh yeah. <laughs> I ended up accidentally pausing during one of the oh, no. the splash part, and it's like, oh, oh no, I have to write down this note, and then I have to immediately unpause. So, so Fry's dead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Somebody says, um, I think Leela says he's dead, and the professor is like, it does look that way. I mean, it is important to note that it, you haven't gotten all the empirical knowledge. He is a man of science. He is a pile of goo at this point. You wanted a bag of meat? Here's a bag of meat. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, 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 one can say H.G. Blob is just a, a, a pile of goo, but does does he not live? So, Leela immediately hits the button because that will bring Fry back. And so, in doing so, because the professor has run out of his time shelter, sure. thinking this was all over, the professor immediately gets shredded yep. into space-time nothingness. Uh, the professor is now dead. But the but Fry's back. Fry's back, and he's falling, and it, 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 he hits the ground again. We go into this loop where Fry just repeatedly falls down and splats on the ground, yep. and it is... A bit much. They start having a conversation of why this is happening. Right. Because Fry, of course, remembers everything uh, somehow. And so he basically has to fall to his death dozens of times mm-hmm. while having a conversation explaining, oh, well, my watch was off. And so I thought you weren't going to come. And so I decided I couldn't live. So I decided to kill myself. Then I saw you. Then I got stuck in this time loop. And now I keep dying a whole lot. You know, what? when you say it like that, it felt like it fit within 10 seconds. I think it was slightly longer than that. But, you know, that's only a couple of loops. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to loop four or five times and die four Except to five I got to start way up high. So it's like, I didn't think you were going to make it. And so I did to splat. And, then, <laughs> and so I decided to jump because I couldn't make it because I just couldn't live without you. And then splat. So, I really enjoyed the audio. Uh, y- you're really going on uh, uh, taking us on an audio journey with your voice acting talent. Splat. So... <laughs> Yeah, they are now in this loop where, for the eternity of time, Fry is just going to hit the pavement at terminal velocity and then... Turn into goo. Turn into goo while Leela watches Mm -hmm. for all time. And so Bender comes up with a plan. Mm -hmm. 
He's got he, an airbag. He's got an airbag. So all that needs to happen is that they need to time it so that they run out. He gets under fry, and then the rest of the gang pretends to be a bus going 40 miles per hour, mm-hmm. hit bender to get that airbag to go off. Right. That seems like a lot of speed. But they do it. They do do it. They do it in one. They, get, they, they have to do it in one. They have no other choice. If they don't do it in one, either Fry's dead or they're all timeified spaghetti. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to stop, but timeified spaghetti makes me think. And I don't know what of, but I'm hungry now. <laughs> timeified spaghetti. That's a, that's a phrase I, that is just never thought I would ever hear or say. And here we are having heard it and said it. So they managed to do this. Fry lands on Bender's airbag. So everything looks good. Everything looks good. He bounces up into the air. Everyone's celebrating. Bender even is popping open a beer. He's just so ecstatic. And then Fry lands directly on the time button, causing it to shatter. This pink time explosion comes out of it, enveloping the entire galaxy. Mm -hmm. Maybe even parts beyond. And everything, except for Fry and Leela, has stopped entirely. Nothing happening anymore. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Fry and Leela just start like, well, I don't know what to do now. I guess we'll just start walking around in this frozen world. The first thing Leela does is take back the earrings that she lent Amy three years ago. Fair point. So... They go to a fancy new New York street food fair Mm -hmm. where they eat phenomenal foods like half-eaten hot dogs and sip caviar straight out of a can. From via a straw. The classy way to eat caviar. Well, you get a lot in there real fast. That's the important thing, right? About eating. Mm -hmm. It's my most important thing about eating. That timeified spaghetti. <laughs> you, you, you gotta, you gotta timeify that spaghetti. So, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> no, but I really like it. I really like it. I really like it. They go to a globe trotter game in progress, and uh, two important things happen here. The first of which is that Fry still wants to get married, even though mm-hmm. there's really it's just the two of them, right? To which she replies, I would say yes, even if you weren't the last man on Earth. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Uh, The other thing is that there's like a weird blue glowy bit that's sort of flying around. I think they call it a glimmer later, but I just kind of called it a glimmer throughout. Um, But they don't know what it is, but they're very scared about it. They decide they'll figure out everything else tomorrow. And they're like, but there's not really a tomorrow. Right. Uh, But they do uh, try to get some sleep by making a bed of pandas with koala pillows which why it didn't (laughs) it didn't destroy every bed in the process unfortunately it did you could still go just get into literally any bed in the world yeah and instead they're like let's go to the zoo and make pandas into a bed we're here in the bronx you gotta get to the zoo and make a bed out of pandas and koalas i think here i think honestly the reason they did it is a it's a, a fun little visual. B, like, when are you going to be able to sleep on pandas and koalas? It's true. That's not that's not a thing people not stuck in the stillness of time mm-hmm. can it, do. Important note, live pandas and live koalas. Correct. I mean, live in the fact that 
technically speaking, if time was moving in a forward direction, which it is currently not, they would be ambulatory. <laughs> yes, correct. Potentially ambulatory pandas and timeified spaghetti. The phrases on this episode are wild. Yeah, they, they go to bed on pandas for some reason. Sure. The next day... They go to church and they have assembled all their friends by just dragging them into the church, mm-hmm. still frozen. And then they have a very weird ceremony where they're they're like, uh, do I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife? And then she you says, do. you do. And I'm like, that's strange, but also kind of like kind of the right kind of feeling? sweet. Yeah. For, like it, it works for them. Um, they also have the space pope. Of course. If you have if you have stopped time and you can just drag literally anybody to officiate your wedding, mm-hmm. you know, officiate in air quotes because yeah. you're going to be super still. The correct the choice is Jeff Goldblum. Sure. However, however, assuming you don't know where Jeff Goldblum is, back up Space Pope. I assume he's in the Hall of Famous Heads. It's who knows what he's doing. He's up to all sorts of things. He's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> That's true. He's Jeff Goldblum and everywhere. I assume he's not even a, a head in a jar. I assume he somehow still has a body rocking it in the year 3013. Just going around being cool Jeff Goldblum. Cool Jeff Goldblum. He probably sleeps on pandas every night. Real ambulatory pandas. Just sleeping on them because he's Jeff Goldblum and he can do that. You know, I... I can't find any fault with what you're saying at all, so I'll just keep moving on. Um, they do have another glimmer fly past them, and Leela's just like, let's not worry about that. Let's just get started on our long honeymoon. Yeah, we'll figure it out later. We can either kill it or adopt it. Those are our two options. I mean, it's fair. Um, so they kind of do a whole lot of stuff. They go to, the, to Niagara Falls. They sit on a swing made of their coworkers. Zoidberg is a coat rack in their married reality that feels correct uh they they start and they start to visibly age so they're like they are spending their lives in this mm-hmm. frozen world that there is a very pretty shot where they are walking around in the snow and like there's a snowflake that is frozen in time mm-hmm. and leela kind of pushes it and it starts spinning which i i really enjoyed that shot mm-hmm. i thought it was really good it's it's one of the best like you know i've uh, so I'm going to bring it back to the first episode where you I know what they say really about talked- talking about the 3D animation in the first episode. You got to talk about the 3D animation in the last episode. But I think I think that Futurama was just was so good at pioneering the 3D 2D stuff mm-hmm. that it just it looks fantastic. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it looks great. And they always deployed it pretty much perfectly. And then the next shot is them on a beach where they throw a frisbee with a dog attached and. Just spin- <laughs> We both we both <laughs> laughed very hard. It was when that happened. it's, a, such it's a, a very good, good visual. Um, um, and then they have the kind of iconic image of them starting to like walk out into the water and onto the water, basically. Right. They can walk on water because uh, the water is frozen in time, so it only leaves a little bit of a footprint. Yeah. Um, and they just they walk across the ocean. They go to to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower, uh, which was like the last thing on their big to do list. Right. I assumed there w- the to-do list was each other, and then that was just the location list. But I could be wrong. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> you I know, mean, look, I don't know. <laughs> everybody is frozen in time. You can bone wherever you want to bone. I mean, one of them, I believe, was in the middle of the road. 
Or that's some a, random that's a song. alley. Why don't we do it in the road? It's true. It's a good song. They did it in the road, probably. I, I you have that much time, and you have th- nothing will ever. You can bone on the ocean, like literally on mm-hmm. the ocean. Why? Why wouldn't you? Why would? What? In fact, I would be mad with you if you didn't. The whole ocean's there for you, my man. Think about that. You can show those dang fish. You can bone in all seven seas. On all seven seas. Not in them. Can't get in them. It's true. But on them. You could probably dig into the water because they can affect stuff. That's fair. That'd be weird, though. Weirder than boning on the ocean. So they go back to the vampire. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Weirder than boning on the ocean. Back to the Futurama. Weirder than boning on the ocean. (laughs) They go back to the Vampire State Building. My favorite building that has ever existed in all time. Yes, of course. And they, they go back to the rooftop garden and to drink to finally drink the champagne that and they were going to have the whole time, all those many years ago. All those ago. many years ago. And they're so old now that they need canes and walking things to get up there because they're just so old. They're they're wrinkled, they're fully gray, they're they have lived a long life in this frozen world. Fry decides that he wants to give the the toast that he was going to give originally all those years ago, yet still somehow at this exact moment, because time spaghetti, timeified spaghetti. Mm-hmm. He says, if I could make one moment last forever, this is the one I'd choose. It's strangely poetic with how, what they've done. So at that point, the, um, well, Fry does say, uh, he, he's like, I don't know. Did it feel a little lonely? And she was like, I was never lonely. Not even for one minute. Yeah, that's a... uh, Sorry, it's a sentiment that hit me really hard when I watched it and hit me really hard again today when I watched it. It's very sweet. Uh, At that point, that blue glimmer comes back and it flies around and it turns into sort of a disc. Mm -hmm. And then the disc extrudes out into like a big uh, pipe screensaver from Windows 95. Mm -hmm. And... The professor comes out of it, this this tube. Yeah, it's a whole system of tubes through throughout New New York, um, and and apparently instead of the professor getting killed by being outside of the time shelter, he was rotated into an orthogonal time that runs at right angles because science, commonly known to the layperson as timeified spaghetti, of course. So, um, so yeah, he's like. Yeah, no, I wasn't killed. Anyways, I just I've been digging this whole time just to try to find that button to undo this calamity. I believe he says he's been tunneling for decades looking for the instant between yesterday and today, which is like I I need a diagram of that sentence in time for me. Time travel weirds language. It it's just like back to the future, Ama. Fry says, well, it's here, but I broke it. And then I tried to fix it and got angry at it. And so I just beat it some more. It's a good thing we never had kids. It's a weird joke. It's a weird joke. Also, but here's my question. What happens if you did have kids? Are the kids also going to be outside of this time freeze? Because that's a good question. Cells that originated from the two of you who are not stuck in time. Exactly. Would you repopulate the world with people who are not stuck in time, surrounded by billions of people who are stuck in time? It's unfortunate that Futurama didn't 
start to uh, I really figure wanna... this one out in the last minute of the last episode ever. It's true. We, just like they, don't have the time to talk about that. We also don't have the time to get into that rabbit hole because, boy, that's a thing. My brain says, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> but instead... My brain says, ow, I hurt very much so. Oh, my God. Let's move on. Yes. Um, the professor quickly fixes it. Uh, Fry couldn't. Um, and has it set up so they'll all return to the moment before he conceived of the time button. The problem is that if they go back to that moment, they won't remember any of this. Yeah. Everybody will have to live their lives all over again. No one will remember anything. And Fry asks Leela, do you want to go around again? I do. And then they hit the button. Everything fades to white. Credits. And that means that it is time for the final grades. This episode doesn't work as a, like it, it works as a story, but it it's, it's basically the, like the denouement of the entire show. Like you get the like very suffoc like squeezed in part of the, you know, conflict and whatever. And then they just kind of accept the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so as if if you're going to be like I'm going to watch this episode by itself it's like you probably shouldn't sure unless you've like watched the whole series like this finale is such a finale that it's just like you have to it, it it's a very emotional moment especially at the end when they're they've lived their lives together and it's like do we go back and do it again of course we do I'm not a huge fan of the the suicide portion. It's, it's a bit much. It's a lot. And, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right okay. for, for Fry to do, take that action. It feels out of character for him. Cause he's, he's usually like in that position of like hearing no to that emotion. So if it, it feels like the whole thing is constructed to get him on top of this thing and then jump off, which I mean, it's a story. Right. But I think even with that and, you know, some of the a little bit convoluted nature of the opening bit, like the sentiment and the the emotion of the second half where they're, you know, we rarely get to see shows that give the characters what they've been wanting for such a long time. And to have basically give these two characters, Fry and Leela, their sending off moment of being able to live together for in stuck in time. Sure. But being able to do exactly what they wanted with each other and have a great time. It's, I, I don't know how you grade this one. Sure. Cause it, it doesn't work without everything else that ever came before it to me. It is the culmination of everything. It's not like the devil's hands of idle play things, which stands on its own. Cause it wasn't a finale. It works as one, but it isn't wasn't one. This one is the finale, and, the, and they knew it, so they built it. It it is wildly emotional, especially like last night when I finished watching. I was like, I just watched my final episode of Futurama for Back to the Futurama, which uh-huh. I know is next week, but like that emotion is hard to disentangle from everything. Boy, I have to nail this down to a letter, don't I? You do. Oh, man. I thought I was going to filibuster. That's the name of the game. <laughs> I thought I could filibuster long enough and I wouldn't have to. 
Uh, oh boy. I, as a finale, it works incredibly because it gives you what you kind of have been wanting from a, uh, you get some of the jokes, you get some of the, the really heartfelt moments. Sure. There are things that I probably would change a little bit, you know, why he's falling instead of, you know, deciding to commit suicide, which is not a great, not a great thing to put on television, Instead, maybe getting pushed off, or I, I don't know how you change that. He, but he is in a whole tower full of vampires. It's and vampires true. do weird things when the shadows go down. Exactly. So, I, I mean, it feels convoluted to get him off there anyway. But anyway, my point, I've, I've said that before. As a finale, as an episode of Futurama, it works. It, it hits the emotion it's trying to do. So, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't, there are flaws with it, I think. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm alone on this one. But it's also the only, especially the last half, is the only uh, Futurama finale I could ever expect. So I guess I'm going to have to give it an A because it succeeds at what it's going out to be. Okay. So the the interesting thing that you brought up is grading it as a finale versus grading it as a singular episode to be watched solo. The thing is, generally we grade on episodes in and of themselves. But part of that, to me, is because the vast majority of Futurama episodes are standalone. Right. They do occasionally make references to things that have happened in other episodes, but the vast majority of them are... It ends in the same place where it started. Um, when you're judging a finale... It is the, when you're judging a finale that is purposefully a finale, Mm -hmm. you are judging it on being the conclusion to the essay, as it were. Mm -hmm. I don't think a finale is really designed to stand on its own in general. Sure. I agree with that. I think that so few shows get to go out on their own terms. Mm Mm-hmm particularly ones that have been canceled as many times as Futurama (laughs) has. That's true. And I think that when you are ending a show on your terms and you have to wrap everything up, but still maintain that these characters' lives are going to go on after the events of this episode have ended, Mm -hmm. after the show ends after you no longer get to see into these people's lives, you still have to wrap it up in a way that says these, these characters continue to exist in some fashion. And so in that respect, I think this is probably the best ending to Futurama one could ask for. Sure. I think that the episode in, of, in and of itself is pretty fun. The time travel shenanigans is classic professor. Sure. There's a lot of great jokes. I loved him going G N E like, (laughs) you know, doing weird stuff as, as you, you know, walk out the door to, to, you know, close down shop as it were. Sure. Um, so I think the episode in and of itself is very good, but as a finale, um, and the fact that it was, it was just that it was Futurama, saying this is this is where we take our exit this is what fry and leela's lives would be um the fact that it uses that time travel mechanic 
to say we get to see, you know, a montage of them boning in weird places. Sure. And just walking around the earth and being happy together and never being lonely even for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then having that reset back to you're back in your, your normal life. You get to spend it doing normal things in your right. life. And, you know, yeah, there's outside factors that could definitely affect a relationship. Sure. Uh, when you're actually, you know, not the last two people on Earth. But the fact that we get to use that time travel device to say they lived into their their old ages where they're walking on canes mm-hmm. and they never once felt lonely with the two right. of them. And now they get to go actually have a life together is very poetic. And it's sure. it's a thing that I think only Futurama could do. And so I am now the one filibustering. But <laughs> um, I think the only, the only thing that was a bit much for me was seeing Fry explode uh, about 100 <laughs> times. Exactly. Uh, but other than that, I have no complaints with it. Um, I'm going to give it an A plus okay. with only a very small deduction uh, in score from seeing Fry explode a million, so many a million times. times. I, I will say that I think as a singular episode, the uh, the devil's hands or idle play things is better. Mm-hmm. But I think as a finale, this yeah. is the this is the finale that we deserved and Futurama deserved. So I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, definitely a phenomenal episode. A plus. We would like to know what you think about. This episode about the entirety of this series, actually. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you do want to send us some tweets, emails, uh, Facebook messages, um, voice memos, voice memos, any of that, we are doing a a wrap up special to really give our our real feelings on the entirety of Futurama and doing this podcast. Yeah. We want to hear what you have to say. Uh, if you send those to us. Uh, we will read them or play them on next week's episode. Absolutely. Just make sure to get those into us before 6 p.m. Pacific time next Tuesday, uh, which is when we're recording. Should we give the date so that we... Um, it would be the 10th, the 10th of December. So, um, yeah, you can do that by emailing us at backtothefuturamapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at backtofuturama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash back to Futurama. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and probably Pandora and who knows where else. Uh, find us, rate us, review us, subscribe, and send to your friends so that they can binge now. We've done them all. They can binge it all. We've we've taken over three years to do this and they can listen to us be goofballs for probably a solid week. I mean, the, the thing is ending. Um, so, you know, with the Patreon's going to continue on into our next podcast. Yeah. Um, we want to thank you. Anybody that uh, contributed via the Patreon, anybody that just watched, uh, listen to all, the fact that you're here at the end of future, almost still listening to us, regardless of whether or not you, you wanted to contribute, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You, you've, you've helped us push through some of the malaise of like having to get in the studio and having to figure out dumb jokes to say. And, you know, I, I'm I'm making a dumb joke, but like you know, we are so grateful for every one of you that came with us on this journey. And I know that we have one next week where we'll say the exact same thing, but it really means a lot to me. And I know it. I know it means a lot to me, and I'm reasonably sure it means a lot to Ben. 
Uh, the thing I was going to say before you went on a whole emotional I have a lot thing, of emotions. It's, uh, a, it's an emotional day. Is I do want to thank um, Carl, and I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your last name, Zalik or Zalik, for uh, reaching out to me and uh, supporting us for uh, this month um, with a one-time donation. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you so much. And then this is where Mike's emotional rant would have gone. Um, oh, I'm. Had he not. I have more emotions if you'd like me to unpack Tune those in as next well. week for more emotions <laughs> from Ben and Mike. I think that's going to do it for us this week. So until our final episode of Back to the Futurama. There's no more Futurama to watch now. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye, Goodbye from, from the, the world, world of tomorrow. tomorrow.